have you done to it? What have you done to its eyes? He has his father's eyes. What are you talking about? Guy's eyes are normal. What have you done to him, you maniac? Satan is his father, not Guy. He came up from hell and begat a son of mortal woman. Hail Satan! Hail Satan! Satan is his father, and his name is Adrian. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our Halloween month. Uh, coming up to the big finale, Halloween ends. Yes. I know most people who've seen it already are rolling their eyes going, oh great, but I'm going to change all your minds. So everyone tune in for Halloween ends, because the Halloween guru will give his opinion. <laughs> Who John Carpenter's on the show? Is he? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, today's we we have a dot we have a dove into the classics. And when I mean classics, I'm talking, you know, uh, we'll say sixties. Yeah, <laughs> you know, traditional know. classics. Traditional almost. classics. Almost. And with films in the sixties, especially with horror, you kind of they went away from the traditional camp creature features and the you know the the Ed Wood style sci-fi and stuff like that. Fifties B movies. Yes, exactly. They started getting a wee bit darker, and thanks to two classics, one we talked about already is Psycho and Peeping Tom. Mm-hmm. So what those films would did was they took the ho- uh, the horror at well they they took the thriller aspect. And I think they tweaked it into more of a horror aspect. There's that little that little line that you cross that makes it horror. I created the slicer subgenre as well. Well, again, I'm not no. I would disagree with that because that has again we had this discussion before, Trevor. Yes, I know what did. Well, <laughs> I'm always I'm, I'm, see, he never listens to me, people. But <laughs> I'm just you know, playing devil's advocate. You're kind of right because what it what it did was it paved the way for two great films in the '70s, which would be called Black Christmas and Halloween, mm-hmm. which are are two films that really honored and played homage to the uh, Peeping Tom and to Psycho. Yeah, and then thanks to that, the the slasher film gave you know came was given birth. But it also happened in the late '60s. Late '60s. Uh, Things started getting darker, especially with Hitchcock. Hitchcock got a little more bloodier with the birds. Then he really took it to the next level with a movie called Frenzy. Frenzy, I was going to say that. If you guys haven't seen it, check it out. It's probably his most graphic film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that leads us to Roman Polanski. Now, Roman Polanski created a little film called Rosemary's Baby. Now, like Peeping Tom and Psycho, what they did for the slasher, this has kind of paved the way for movies that I like to talk about, like The Exorcist would be a perfect example. Satanic or, thrillers. Yeah, or The Wicker Man would be a good example. The Omen. Uh, the Omen, yeah. Well, The Wicker Man would be more folk horror to me. Well, you know, I still would consider this... Like Blood and Satan's Claw type thing. But you yeah, know what you're saying. But I, I think it's the same boat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although I would say as well that folk horror is a modern term. 
It's, I mean, back whenever the Wicker Man and all was released, it's, it's just a recent, like, 21st century term folk horror. Kind of like when Slasher film was coined back in 78, not in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see yeah. where I'm going with that? Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to let that pause. I'm going well, to let that pause and let that sink in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, and then, uh, um, it's an expression I've never really sort of got on board with, but Slasher films also known as Stalk and Slash. I like that one better. Stock and slash. Uh, don't know. It just never really caught on with me. Uh, I like it. Uh, but we had, we they have dabbled into this kind of genre before Rosemary's Baby. You know, it's more like baby stepping into it where Rosemary's Baby jumped over the edge. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, White Zombie would be a good example. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong if that's the title. But that would be kind of in the same Well, the, same the, the whole satanic horror is as old as horror, you know what I mean? I mean, you go right back to Haxan from, you know, the Scandinavian 1922 silent film, um, although it's part documentary, but, I mean, satanic horror is as old as sort of horror fiction, you know? And it's relevant today because uh, you've got these new artists that are out now, you know, uh, we talk about Eggers with The Witch. Yes. And you got Hereditary. Um we're not discussing the lighthouse because it's shit, and the fact well, that it's, it's really not satanic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, it's more um, Lovecraftian Poe. Midsummer. You know, you had the, these films. That, you have these films that are coming out that are, you know, they're kind of. Oh, they've been out for like you said. They've been out for a while, but there's a resurgence for this kind of this kind of genre now. Yeah, and of course there was some classic sort of hammer satanic horrors, you know. Back in the day, the well, devil rides out, you know, hammer amicus, you know, well, sort of era. It's funny you say that because this is produced by a man who usually did um, kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek horror. Campy schlock. Campy schlock. And this is William Castle. So mm-hmm. this is kind of his, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. This is his first dab into R-rated horror, pretty much. Serious horror. Serious For horror, want of exactly. a better. You know, he's he's House on Haunted Hill and 13 Ghosts and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, gimmicks and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Apparently, but... whenever the rights were sold to him, it was done on the stipulation that Castle didn't direct it himself. I, it's not a bad it's not a bad idea. I like William. Don't get me wrong, guys. I yeah. love William Castle. I love his stuff. It's good fun. But this needs a darker take. You need someone who's got a darker vision. I think William Castle would have been too much camp to it. Mm. And no fault of his own, but that's just who that's yeah. what he is. That's who he is or was. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's good. I, I, can, I can see them. So when you said they sold it, is that the novelist? Ira yes. Levin wrote this, yes, I believe. Yes, the original novel. Yeah. Um, so he had say back then um, of who should direct. And Roman Polanski. Uh, he screened, he wrote it and directed it. He just, it was hot little property. He did that uh, Repulsion. Was that before or after this? Was that Repulsion? He did... Uh, Tenant? The Tenant? Yeah, no, he did Repulsion first, then Tenant. He did Rosemary. He did Re- I'd have to double check the dates. I believe it was Repulsion. Well, either way, he did Feelers, Vampire, Lesbian Killers... Oh, um, the Vampire Hunters one, yeah. I, I, I'm, we're completely lost here. Yeah. Oh, Polanski. I'm not a big fan of Polanski, guys, as you can tell. Uh, but this is part of his, he says his trilogy, um, really about 
living in an apartment or city dwelling and horror happens to it. Yes. Uh, Repulsion, Rosemary's Baby, and The Tenant is that trilogy. I have to admit, I was never, I never really, aside from Rosemary's Baby, I never really got big into Polanski either. And in fact, I, I, to me, aside from Rosemary's Baby, he was more famous or infamous for the, you know, obviously the brutal um, Tate killings and also obviously his, um, you know, basically he went on the run. Um, on charges of having sex with a minor, statutory rape. Yeah, um, he's yeah he's lived in I think France for years. Switzerland as well. Um, I think, at one yeah, point. yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how. I'm. I don't know the facts. Mm-hmm. I just know, God love her. What happened to Sharon Tate and that? Yes. Fucking douchebag Charlie Vance, Charles Manson. Oh yeah. Awful. Killing. Polanski's uh, then girlfriend and pregnant girlfriend. Yes, heavily pregnant. Um, yeah. I just don't think Polanski bounced back from that. Um, so a lot of his stuff is pretty edgy, and I, I think that it shows, and that could be what happened. But I'm not mm-hmm. making excuses for the guy, but yeah, certainly didn't help. But let's jump into Rosemary's Baby. Now, well, I will say this before we started. There are two Polanski films that are fucking brilliant, mm-hmm. and one's a masterpiece. That's Chinatown. Yeah. With Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway. And then he did a great movie with Harrison Ford called Frantic. Yes, I remember Frantic. Yes, you haven't as well. seen, Yeah, if you haven't seen Frantic, check it out. It's mm-hmm. really good. It's simple, but it's just about a guy going, to, going on a trip with his wife to France. She gets kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And nobody believes him. So it's it was really, from the eighties, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one of those times where he was trying to do something different. Harrison Ford, he want, he was getting tired of the Han Solo Indiana Jones persona. Yeah. So then he and did, he was hot property at the time as well. Yeah. So he did um, Witness, Mosquito yes. Coast, Frantic, The Fugitive eventually as well in the nineties. Yeah, but that's completely off. That's going back to what he kind of doesn't like. I don't think mm. and presumed innocent. So he did these four or five films. In a row, uh, that were not Hollywood gold. Uh, there were departures for him, and they're good. Yeah, there were more serious roles. You should uh, you should check them out. So we got Mia, Fa- we got Rosemary's Baby, Mia Farrow, John Cassavetes, Ruth Gordon, who Ruth Gordon, Sydney Black 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 Mirror, Black Mirror, mm-hmm. Maurice Evans, Charles Grodin, very young Charles Grodin, Ralph Bellamy. There we are. Good cast. Yeah. I have to say right now that Minnie and Roman make this film. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> I love them. They so are. They, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I've never seen, you know, de- devil worshipping people with, with such a tongue in cheek manner. And they're, so, and they're so nice. You know, they're so lovable. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a trick. I mean, you were talking just um, a few minutes ago about how this is more serious horror. But to me, this is very, very darkly humorous as well. well you know, I, I, unlike The Exorcist, which is deadly serious, the same as The Omen, and you know other films of this type of satanic horror elk from the the period, the general period. This is darkly humorous, and but it totally, you know, they totally pull it off. You know, it actually uh, makes it more creepy. Yeah, no, I mean, I, this is beloved. I mean, mm-hmm. I looked at the reviews and I looked on IMBD and all the other sites, and it is beloved. Eight out of ten, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I see it more of a cornerstone film where, like we talked about, how it paved the way for others that I really like. 
Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not a fan of this film. Um, right. Yeah. I I think it's boring and long, but it's this is again. I always say watching it again for the podcast eyes. Yeah. And I saw more out of it this time. Yes. Uh, the one thing I will say. Uh, there's two actresses in films, and there's a lot more. I'm just uh, just giving two that pretty much had to play all these different personalities, and it could be in one scene or just go from happy to sad yes. to you know emotions left and right. And there's two actresses who have definitely pulled this off, and. Mia Farrow is certainly one of them as Rosemary. Superb. She's, she's very brilliant in this. She's brilliant in this. And then I got Shelley Duvall from The Shining. Mm-hmm. And so, her yeah, her performance is brilliant. I mean, I've, I've seen it before. And I think what hurt, the reason I really didn't like it was because I knew the ending. Yes. Because I saw it years later, obviously, mm-hmm. um, in the 90s. And I already knew what the outcome was. It's sort of pretty obvious, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not like it's There's not no big twist here. Another thing that hurts it. I was yeah. hoping for something else. The ending is boring, but we'll get to it. Uh, well, I, I find the ending really great fun and in a really darkly humorous way, which makes it even as as I said, um, just just before there, uh, which makes it even creepier because you know it's like these really nice, pleasant. Um, sort of old folks uh, and you know there's something not quite right about them but it's you know he's got his father's eyes you know yeah uh, no there, there's some there's some clever writing and um i think i don't know i well let's let me ask some and the lack of blood and gore totally works for it no I, it's not that i don't mind that at all no no i'm not saying that but um, yeah but in the beginning when they decide they're going to move from the old landlord their old landlord's hutch Mm-hmm. A friend of theirs, and he tells the story the Black Brandon House. Is that yes. correct? Is that where they're moving into? No, that, that's no, no, no. Hutch isn't the the Hutch isn't the the, the landlord of the place that they're moving into. It's no. some other guy who's only in a, at the start. No, no. Okay, they well, move out of Hutch's. Yeah, yeah. I know when they're okay. No, when they're doing the tour. Yes, they say we have to get out of our lease yes. of the other place. Blah blah. That wasn't Hutch? The guy at the very start? No. Okay. Well, Hutch... Okay, then some... I, I'm positive this, this is Hutch. They're sitting at the table, and they told him that we're renting at this new place. Yes, they tell and, Hutch as well. And, but the, okay. guy, the, the guy who's shown them around the apartment at the start is like their new landlord. Oh, I know that. I No, you know, listen, I know that. But then it cuts to Hutch telling him a story. Yes, yes. I yeah. thought that was the landlord of the old place. Possibly, I would have to double check that. Okay. Um, but I just know Hutch is their friend. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but Hutch is telling them the story of this place called the Black Brandon House. Mm-hmm. How there's baby sacrificing yes. and stuff like that, and and is that the house? Is he bringing that up because that's the place they're moving into? Yes, because he knew he's a bit of a sort of scholar type. Okay, um, so that does research. relate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, he, he, yeah, and it's basically this um, Satanist guy from the late 1800s, early 20th century, was basically the father of Roman. Yes, we find that out. Yeah. Um, Arden, Ardane or something like that. Yeah. He's, All like right. the, he's like the Mr. Warlock witch chap. 
All right, so there's like there's some scenes. This movie's two hours and like seventeen minutes or something like that, and it's a little, very well paced. But I don't think so. I think it got a little stupid. Well, I'll give you one scene that's really fucking stupid. Go ahead. So they decide to move in, right? Mm-hmm. And they're eating dinner. So let's make love. And we have to watch them slowly <laughs> take their clothes off and fuck. <laughs> that was very 60s, though. It oh, was very come on. This free love. Like... No, this is 1968. It's very free love, hippie. Uh, so, yeah, um, these days, that scene would have been probably heavily edited. Um, but uh, it No, was not the these days. It'd be worse, probably. <laughs> well, depending on who directed it, but it was the 60s. It was like free love, groovy man, let's make love. So it gets a pass simply because it was the 60s for me. Um, there's, a, there's, a, yeah, of course you gotta pass your pervert. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I know that's cool. You like John Cassavetes? That's yeah. That's, <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So she, he's an actor. He's doing his thing. Yes. And she decides she's doing laundry. And this mm-hmm. is funny. I don't remember Terry, but she comes up and she, he said, we could be laundry buddies, and they're like <laughs> talking and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I like her. She's a good character. Next yeah. scene, she's dead. Bang. Yeah. Uh, great little cutaway shot of her bloody face, mm-hmm. but she has jumped from this building. Mm-hmm. So, but there's a shot where, where they're talking down the laundry room, and I. This is when I talk about Mia Farrow. She's kind of being a homebody, and mm-hmm. you had Peyton to get in the new apartment ready, and she's doing laundry. And then when she sees Terry, who's kind of like her, she, she just, her personality just changes. Like she's like a little kid. Yes, you know, yes. Oh, they're very girly. Yeah, my, this is my new friend, and. Yeah. And Oh, we'll be laundry buddies. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But then it scared the hell out of me when the bottle broke. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then yeah. I've seen this for the second time, I'm like, that meant something. Oh why? Because it's like, all right, Terry, you're dead. Terry was basically giving too much away. Yes. You know, about that charm and stuff. Yes. And that glass was foreshadowing. Yes. And she was basically because she was being watched, so she was and listened to. Yeah, everyone was because she she was staying at the is it Cassavetes? Yes, Cassavetes place. Yes, she was staying at their place. Yes, um, she was a former sort of homeless sort of junkie, and they had taken her in, you know, pretending to be like loving parental types, but really they were presumably looking. She was like the original potential host for Son of Satan. That's why I was I was I was wondering because why would they take her in? But that mm-hmm. makes sense, and now that. Uh, that's well, what I took from it, and I have to say I haven't read the original novel, but that's what I took from it all right. with, with the film. Okay. And apparently, this film is very, very close to the novel. Yeah, well, that's why it's kind of long and boring at some parts. But so yeah, Terry's dead. So my character, I I liked is she's gone. <laughs> she lasted five minutes. Yeah. No fucking laundry buddy in for you. <laughs> so, what is with? The oh. now she has these dreams. Yes, really weird. Fucking, you love them. It's something. You yes, I did like those. Scenes. Yeah, of course you did because they're fucking <laughs> non nonsensical. You're probably like, oh my god, this is art, everybody. This is art. <laughs> I like the one on the boat, which is like it was like it was like the sort of lost episode of the love boat. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah, the boat rape scene. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's fucking cr- Yeah, it was. I didn't love, you know, obviously, you know, I'm not into gratuitous. Well, it wasn't gratuitous. It wasn't gratuitous. But it, I like the sort of dreamlike qualities of that scene. Okay. The Rosemary's having that dream with the nun singing, 
and they're yeah. done speaking in some kind of I don't know if it's a different language or some kind of gibberish. Yeah. Or Latin was... pig loud Latin or whatever. Mm-hmm. The devil speak. Um but it was kind of a poor sound, but I think that was deliberate. Mm-hmm. It meant nothing. So this is just dreams that are being implemented into her head by the neighbors, correct? Or devil? No, man. no. I, I, no. I think they're they're just genuine dreams that she's having. Oh, so she's nuts? No, I would say nuts. I think she's no, no. Well, I mean, dreams are bonkers anyway. I just think that she's a, a bit traumatized just with the move and stuff. And I think that the I mean later on, um, I believe after. She starts, you know, taking that herb. Well, I don't know. Maybe remember. Don't forget, um, Terry got her to sniff the herb. You know, the witchcraftian herb. So maybe that's it's connected to her dreams. You know, because her dreams do, I believe, start after that. Yeah. So, did, doesn't she give her the necklace that belonged to Terry? Yes. Yes. But before that, um, in the laundry room, Terry gives her the herb. You know, necklace thing. To, she lets her sniff it. They don't forget the herb is extremely toxic. That's what they put in, in in the sort of the moose, although they call it a moose for some reason. Um, well, that must be an Americanism. Um, no, it's but, moose. Yeah, the the dessert. Um, moose. So the herb is very, you know, toxic. Yeah, I know. She, I, I know. Later on, they're feeding her the milk drink, whatever it is, and mm-hmm. we'll get to but, that. No, but, but what my point is is, I believe her dreams start after she has a sniff at it. From Terry. That's my point. Room. That's my yes, point. Yes, Something so, had to yeah. make this happen. I mean, nobody dreams fucking this. Fuck you want to? You want to fucking see me? Oh uh, no, I don't. Much actually, worse. Actually, uh, do not. That's mild. I never <laughs> ever want to know what's on your in your mind. Okay, that's uh, don't scare our listening audience. Uh, my dreams would put David Lynch and Robert Eagers uh, to shame. Jesus. <laughs> That's all we need. Uh, what I like about this film, it plays like a stage, a stage play, and it very well can be a stage yes, play. It does feel very stage play because there's really only two locations: the Kisvetti's mm-hmm. um, uh, apartment and their apartment. And yes. the great thing about it is set up here, his style. And I will say this: Polanski has a very Kubrick kind of style mm. to his sets, and they're big and elaborate. Um, allowing the camera to flow easier yes. and to move to move around nice, and when there's bigger sets, you're you're able to establish where point A and point B is. You're not lost, mm-hmm. um, so it's really well set up like that, and it works very well for the film for the camera flow. Yeah. Um. So did you? I like the scene where the, the uh, Roman and Minnie invite uh, Guy. Yeah, and Rosemary to dinner. Yes, there's a scene. I, I, it's kind of weird, and you got to help me here. Mm-hmm. And I know Guy is. Guy didn't want to do dinner, mm-hmm. and after dinner, he's now their best friends. So yeah, because we all, they get chatting. Yeah, we already know Guy is turned at that point. Mm-hmm. But yes, there's a scene where they they walk in and they're sitting down in chairs. They're at, this is like their pre dinner conversation. Yes, and Roman's sitting far away in the corner. Mm-hmm. For some reason, and he's telling, "Oh, I've been everywhere. I love this. I've been there. Oh, I've been there. You named. I've been there." <laughs> was that he's been to Belfast? <laughs> was that was that just a quirk, or was there a reason why he was so distant from them? Um, it was a bit strange, but I don't think it was anything sort of deeply into it. I think it was just, I, I, it was probably a stylistic thing by Polanski when shooting it. I don't think it was really um, to do with the plot. And I could be wrong. After the dinner, Rosemary and Guy, Rosemary makes fun of the food. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, God love them, but the food was disgusting, kind of thing. But yeah. yet, there's the scene where they're in, they're having the dessert, and many a guy are devouring this cake. I mean, yes. they're literally devouring it. And guy, and then Rosemary, when they're back at the apartment, says, "Well, it looks like you enjoyed the food. You were devouring that cake." And mm-hmm. he said, "I was just being nice." But the way he was devouring it was that. And then she starts shoving. You know, here, have another piece. Was that them taking over him? Um, it's possible. Um, it it is. um, You know, if it is the case, it's very sort of subtly suggested. Again, I haven't read the original book, but um, there does appear to be a connection with the whole food and the sort of this herb that they use to bewitch people. Um, so was the herb in the cake? Possibly. Again, Rosemary's dreaming again. You know, having these mad dreams afterwards. So. Yeah, it's it's very possible, although it's not explicitly stated, and that's the way it should be. You know, these things should be done subtly and sort of suggested. Yeah, well, it's in this type a, of film to a degree. In this type of film, um, no, because I think that's what happened. I'm pretty confident he was getting. It was almost like his crack. He was eating so much of it. There's definitely a connection. There's with a the connection food. with yeah. them controlling him yeah. because the next scene, he guy was trying to get that big part for a yes. play or something. And that guy, Donald Baumgard, ends up going blind or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he ends up getting the lead. Mm-hmm. Which is yes. all, this is all done by the devil people. No, he sold his soul to the cult. That's yeah. that, exactly. And he spends a lot of time over there now. Because there's a scene after they have the dinner, or possibly just before they have, um, they have the dinner. It might be the scene where um, basically Rosemary is helping the older woman do the dishes. And what do you call it? Guy and Roman are sitting deep in conversation, having a cigarette. I think that's the point where um, he's basically getting converted over into the cult. Yeah, yeah. And then she's starting to have a conversation with Hutch. Yes. Who you, you explained as a cult theorist, I guess you can say. Well, he, he's like one of these sort of fuddy-duddy scholar types, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it even comes across, and I mean, he smokes a pipe, for fuck's sake. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of course he's a scholar, you know. <laughs> and he has a British accent, you know. Um... Uh, so she goes to Hutch, and she yes. just crying to him. Yes. About again going back to Mia Farrow's performance, brilliant. Yeah. Oh, she's superb. She goes to him, and she starts crying. He's become vain. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't like this before. Mm-hmm. This is one. This is what I have a problem with the film. And we have mentioned this plenty of times in the podcast with Salem's Lot and so forth. Mm-hmm. You got to give us a time error here, a times a timestamp, because. With, they're having dinner. They're having a good conversation. Next thing you know, oh my God, guy's so vain. Well, when did that happen? I haven't seen that yet, and it's been a minute. I, yeah, I, but I think they're sort of they're rushing along. Know, they shouldn't be doing that. Well, they're sort of. It's basically yeah, we are jumping forward in time a good bit. Um, so that's left to the sort of viewer. I mean, you to get sort of I work mean, that out and sort of understand that. I know they don't need to be spoon fed it, but I like a good timestamp. I do think it helps the audience keep... It just lets us know, you know, especially with the baby coming here. Um, well, of course, there, there's the sort of impregnation scene as well that we haven't talked about. Yeah. It's pretty creepy. Yeah. Well, it's nothing to do with timestamps, but let's talk yeah. about the pregnancy scene, everybody. Well, I'm still talking. Where... No, I'm, I was joking. I was talking about my timestamp. I'm not talking about timestamp yet. <laughs> right, go ahead. Finish your timestamp rant. My God. <laughs> Listen, audience. You're watching a film, and they're having, oh, you love you, guy. And that's my Mia Farrell. 
mm-hmm. and they're all having a good time. And then te- next scene, she's crying. He's so vain. And I'm like, well, when did that happen? So I think point- he was always vain anyway. I don't think he was. But once he got the role, the, the fame went to his head. All I want is week one, week two. I don't care. Not going <laughs> to hurt. And I guarantee you, they're going to listen to this podcast, and they're going to reissue the director's cut with timestamps. Especially for you. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> for, for the, the Citizen Frame Egypt. <laughs> Here you go. We got your timestamp. Now she decides, he decides he wants a baby now. Yes. So now he's officially turned. And. Yes, of course, the pregnant, the impregnation scenes after that scene. Sorry. You're right. Yeah. They should have had a fucking timestamp. <laughs> yeah. They should have. Here comes the rape scene. No. Um, well, well, we'll dive into it, okay? So, she falls asleep, and she has one of these weird fucking dreams. There's the there's Hutch as the captain. Then it's no longer mm-hmm. Hutch is no longer the captain of the of the cruise ship or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. There's all these hot models. Uh, she's by herself, kind of looking vulnerable, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. Um, because what happened is she ate some of this chocolate mousse that yes. that Minnie brought over. And it's gotten to her head, the whole point of... And Guy's kind of forcing it down her throat. Yeah. But what Guy didn't see is that she threw some of it away. Mm-hmm. So she's in and out. Mm-hmm. So she... She's not fully drugged, but she's partially drugged. Yeah, and they think she is out. Mm-hmm. And then this is the rape scene. Yes, I guess you could say as rape scenes goes, it's some... No, it's not tame. It's pretty gratuitous and off Um Yeah. It's stupid. Um, I think it's it, creepy. It's not. It's stupid. I think it is. No, you, no. You can hear that. Um, you can hear she. She starts waking up, and you can hear her going, "This is not a dream." That part was creepy. Mm-hmm. And they, and then I think it's the Minnie. eyes. The devil eyes are very creepy. I, I find. I think Minnie when Minnie goes, "Oh God, wait a minute," she's not fully out of it. She realizes yeah, that she yeah, hasn't sort of breaks it a bit. Yeah, she hasn't taken the whole moose yet, or whatever, whatever reason. You and, can see where hereditary then, has been, you know, inspired by here. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, wonderful film. Um, so, <laughs> anyways, I apologize. We're talking about Rosemary's Baby. He's talking about the worst ending of a film ever, Hereditary. I disagree, but go ahead. Oh, my <laughs> God, he eejits. What a stupid... Look at me, I'm a floating... Oh, so stupid. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Hereditary... I mean, it's pretty obvious whenever you watch it anyway that Hereditary is very much inspired in many ways by Rosemary's Baby. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned but Particularly that. this scene with, you know, with the, the old people are naked and stuff. Oh, my God. The, what the, is the with the fucking old... Scene? What is with old people being naked in these fucking films? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Are you serious? <laughs> and then you got the devil man. Which are is, you trying to tell me many and Roman didn't look great naked? <laughs> oh, God. And then, yeah, the devil man. Devil eyes are very creepy. Grapes or yeah, whatever. And it's pretty much a man in like a bear a costume. Or, no, it's not a devil. He was like he was in tree bark or something. I don't know what it was. Yeah, yeah. It was a bad effect. Um, but it was all right. It was, eh, all right. It was passable, sort of. No, it was stupid. So there you go. The devil eyes again. I'll go back to the devil. Stop. Eyes. Okay, They're you know what? Very well done. Okay, fuck off with the devil eyes. If I can't <laughs> talk about the timestamp, you can't talk about devil eyes anymore. <laughs> so. Oh my God! Naked old people. 
God, <laughs> devil you, eyes you and time stamps you had it as a witch too, <laughs> that's what the yeah. listeners will be getting out of this podcast <laughs> oh, fucking naked old people in tree in tree trunks that's what that's what you get out of these fucking films now what about we ended this i got it we got a tree and we got naked old person perfect yeah that's a perfect ending oh my god so hutch comes over mm-hmm. and this is where she's Starting to feel ill, you know the symptoms. We won't. Go, this this is where it kind of drags. It gets a little silly, where she's not going to go to her own doctor at this point. I mean, she's been sick for months. I we see no bump yet. The standard and, the devil doctor. Yeah, you go to the devil doctor, played by I like Ralph Bellamy. Uh, he's a good actor. I always mind. You always trading places. He was mm-hmm. <laughs> trading places. Um, so Hutch begins to question things like the necklace. Is it's tenants herb? Tenants herb, what is that? It's and, a made up herb for the film. I know, but I'm 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 saying what Hutch is saying. Oh sorry, you're right. right oh my that. god, guys, this is the worst <laughs> podcast ever. <laughs> worst podcast ever. <laughs> and he starts asking about the liquid drink that they're feeding her, what's yes. what's in it exactly, and so forth. And he begins to question and he goes, Let's meet for lunch. Well, guess who dies? <laughs> Well, he loses his glove first. Yeah, he loses his glove. They take a piece of something from somebody, and then they, yeah. they're able to use that to... Do a spell. Knock them out. Mm-hmm. Kick their ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do voodoo magic. Yeah. Well, there it goes. He's, <laughs> well, he's, he's gone now. Yeah. Per Hutch. Mm-hmm. Didn't do anything yeah. wrong. He was a bit pompous and a bit sort of, you know, <laughs> a bit funny dotty but yeah, I like Hutch. Um, and do you notice what every time Rosemary complains about something or says, I don't want to see the neighbors anymore, or Hutch was just over, he found this out. Yes. He makes an excuse to leave. Mm-hmm. I'll go, let's, oh, I have to go get the paper. I'll be right back. Or yeah, let's go. Way to fill them in. Do you want to get some ice cream? Mm-hmm. You know, he always finds a reason to leave. Yes. Um, did you see this, you know, the scene where. She starts craving weird, weird food, and she, that raw liver she eats. Yes, that was real. Yeah, the actress ate it. Yeah. Uh. Apparently, it's connected to in some way. Um, apparently, from what I've read, it goes into it more in the book. It's connected to sort of um, you know apparent real real life witchcraft. You know the foods that she eats, like the raw liver, raw chicken, and stuff. Oh, I wouldn't know that. Only the only people that I thought would know that would be like sick bastards. But that's cool, Trevor. That's <laughs> See cool. It yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. I have my father's eyes. <laughs> Red rum. Red rum. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, she gets cornered by these women. And they're like, you need to go to a fucking doctor. A real doctor. Um, <laughs> yes, that's her friend. Sorry, in the party. Yes. And... Cause I mean, at this point, come on! It looks like she has two black eyes. She's yeah. lost a shitload. She, she's lost a lot of weight. Mia Farrow is skinnier already, and yes. it's like, come on! This is someone's gonna go. But again, off fairness to the film, she's deliberately she's she's deliberately isolated. Um, yes, and she's also being controlled everybody by this cult. She's being gaslit by them. But you know that's the way cults operate. All cults where they'll isolate people um, and, you know, where they're only be allowed to be around other cult members and they'll brainwash them and totally control them. It's all about control with these cults. So th- that totally makes sense. Yeah. So every time 
at the end at the end of the film when they have a little party and they, we see baby double baby you see all yes. the, the characters that she's been kind of controlled by mm-hmm. uh, which is not a twist I know it's supposed to be but it's not but every time she leaves the apartment like you had Minnie show up all of a sudden in the middle of nowhere when she's looking for Hutch mm-hmm. um, always little thought- there's a nice there's a nice there's a nice fake out when she decides to go to her own doctor Dr. Hill Yes, and but before she goes there, she goes to the phone booth to call him, and she's mm-hmm. begging for him to call back. So she's waiting in the phone booth, and you have all these different people wanting to use the phone. So she's yes. pretending to use the phone. Yeah, there's a great shot of this guy, and he looks exactly um, like her doctor. Uh, what's his name? Sefferstein, 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 Abraham Sefferstein or something. Sefferstein, yeah. yeah. And he blocks the door. And it, from the back of the head, it looks just like him. You know who it is playing the guy outside the phone box? No. William Castle. Is it really? Apart, well, from what I've read, although it doesn't really look like him from the photos. So uh, maybe it I, is. I, according to what I've read, anyway. Well, when she, when she, when it's a good, it's a good little jump scare. When they, when, oh yeah. And when he turns around, it's just a regular guy. Very tense yeah. scene. Whenever you watch that for the first time, and <laughs> when she's having the full sort of breakdown type thing. But that's. Uh, Trying to escape. That's the best jump scare in the whole film. There is yeah. no, there's no jump scares in the film. It's, you know, well, it's not that type of film to be fair. Yeah, it's not the the glass breaking in, in the laundry room and the phone booth are, are good are good moments yeah. in the film. This is more a type of film of you know building tension, sort of naturally. But if you know what I mean, I didn't think there was much tension here because mm-hmm. when she um, the first time you watch it, there really is. I I don't. I found anyway. Well. Yeah, you like reading about but, devil babies and cults and stuff. You <laughs> but it, but in you know on rewatch, whenever you've sort of seen it before, it does lose a lot of its power. But the, I remember like years ago, first watching this and being, you know, finding it very tense indeed, especially these scenes, you know, building up to the climax. Did you? So there's a scene where. I have a question for you, by the way. But go ahead first. There's a scene where she's arguing with Guy. She's yelling at him, I need mm-hmm. to see somebody else, blah, blah, blah. Right? Yeah, for the second opinion. Yes. And then all of a sudden, she starts crying. The pain has stopped. And she can feel the baby moving. Yes. And then she says, it's really weird. It's, it's alive. And I <laughs> felt like Frankenstein. Yeah, that must that must have been deliberate. Is it live? That must have been deliberate. Oh yeah, I would say so. But yeah, for some reason the pain stopped. Is that because they knew she had the pain had to stop because he was to stop her from going somewhere else? I was thinking that too, but then I think it might have been just a coincidence. I don't think their witchcraft sort of worked on and off like a switch. I think it was just a coincidence that for sort of plot sort of um, you know reasons. You know, to keep it sort of, you know, all films are sort of a bit sort of, you know, there's a lot of plot conveniences, you know, where things happen at a certain time just to suit the plot. So we're not like, you know, I don't know, waiting for days on end, you know, sort of watching. Um, so I think that was just more of a, a plot convenience. But I did think that as, as well. Did, you know, was this switched off by the, the pain switched off by the cult? But I don't think, I, I don't think that's the way their herb worked. Uh so, Hutch is dead. Mm-hmm. She goes to the funeral and she's given a book. Yes. All, all of them witches. Yes. 
and she's told it's an anagram. Mm-hmm. That's all she was told. Mm-hmm. And she goes, and it's a nice little scene actually, where she's she's got these uh, uh, Scrabble pieces. Yes. And she, Again, that's another plot, plot convenience just to sort of for her to work it out. But yeah, what works. Everyone wants a Scrabble. I have a Scrabble. I don't. Well, you're not as intelligent as people who own Scrabble. Then. Well, I used to play Monopoly. Um, Cluedo. <laughs> Surprised you didn't get the fucking Ouija board out and call your friends over and go for a good devil baby hunting. So, or do you know what that is? Yeah, I know. I'm really creeped out by this podcast. So... She's trying to find the anagram for all of them witches. But then she sees something in the book that's been highlighted underneath Stephen. Yes. And so she takes the name Stephen Mercado, plays with it, and it spells Roman Castavet. Yes. Who is the neighbor. Mm-hmm. Who we find out is Adrian Mercado's son. Yeah, Adrian is the devil man. Yes, he's well. He's like the witch master. Yeah, and he's dead now. Mm-hmm. But he might be coming back. <laughs> um, well, I don't think it's him coming back. I think it's actually you know Satan himself. Uh, I think he's dead and buried, like you know. But he just sort of you know his son Roman or Stephen um, is sort of you know sort of just carrying on his father's tradition. So. She wants to go to this new Dr. Hill. She wants to go back to her old doctor, Dr. Hill. This is what my question's about. And this is what I don't understand. Because mm-hmm. she's concerned about what Dr. Sefferstein Epstein, is giving giving her. What yes. she do? She goes to him and tells him everything. <laughs> Why no, would she, she go to the doctor that you're leaving and spill your guts? She was confused. Um, but to, to be fair, whenever she's talking to the receptionist... Um, she then does make a run for it and then goes to Dr. Hill. But my question is about Dr. Hill, you know, her original doctor. You mean the obvious non... I mean, that was the worst red herring. I mean, give me a break. He was going to well, call the doctor. Yes, but th- but that's my question is, was Dr. Hill a member of the witchcraft cult or no. was he just doing like what he thought was the right thing that he thought that... Um, Rosemary was was indeed having a complete breakdown. No, and she he thought, was concerned for her health. I, so he phoned the other doctor. I saw but, or, I saw that right away. Yeah, no, yeah, he but, was a nice guy. He just said, Okay, she's lost the plot. And, yes, he, that's what and I'm he knew the doctor once he mentioned his name and he, he knows yeah. he's well respected. So he made the right choice. I would have done so the same he, thing. He wasn't in the cult? No. Because he yeah, would and, okay. and if he was, he would have been in the room as well mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. Come on, but there is God, a bit of, keep there it is, up. No, but keep in that up. scene, there is a bit of ambiguity there. You're saying, is he is he part of the cult, or um, you know, or is he just doing the sort of what he perceives to be his moral duty to this woman, uh, deeply in distress, this pregnant woman? Um, no, no, I saw what a normal guy would do. Mm. I like his little moustache, by the way, <laughs> that he's growing <laughs> between scenes. Wow! Wow! <laughs> The details you catch in these films there, Trevor. It was a bit, yeah, it was noticeable. <laughs> so, the baby dies. They tell oh. her, they tell her. Oh, they tell her The baby that, dies. Yeah. Come on, Trevor, pick, keep it up, keep it up. <laughs> you're thinking of naked old people and oak trees. <laughs> That's why you're, 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 your mind's somewhere else, you freak <laughs> Um, 
But she keeps hearing the baby cry. What about the old woman who is a friend, uh, which is part of the cult herself, um, who's really sort of annoying, but she's kind of funny as well. Oh, the older lady who's kind of watching her? She's a knitting buddy of many, and yeah. um, she's also, um, what do you call it? Yeah, she's watching over her whenever she's in bed recovering and taking her milk from her breast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As we talk about this film, this is just stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, so she hears the baby, a baby crying, and she decides it's not the her baby because the, oh, because the Minnie and Roman have moved out, and there's a new yes. name. Na- there's a guy says there's a new neighbor who has a baby. Roman was supposed to be Dan, huh? Roman, towards the end of the, you know, whenever, um, it's, t- it's stated that um, Roman and Minnie have went away traveling for a couple of last travels because Roman, uh, it's a lie. Like Oh, I know that. Out. Yeah, they did that to, to give her peace of mind. But mm-hmm. they're not gone, obviously. But they tell her that, what's the baby's house coming from? That the, a new neighbor has moved in with the baby. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well... She's not stupid, so she gets up and she sees the closet and mm-hmm. she puts the pieces together why the bureau was in the yes. you know cover was blocking the cover uh the closet at the beginning of the film and she finds out it leads to the the minis and Roman's flat. Yes. And then she walks in there and they're all having little drinks and stuff and they got the nice little devil baby in his big black crib. <laughs> I can't believe I had, I did, I can't I believe I had find, this fucking conversation. I, I did find the black crib um, did little, take from little, the seriousness of what had went before. Yeah. And it did get a little um, sort of hokey and a bit silly just with the black crib. Uh, although it did like all the other hokiness that was happening around the same time. And, you know, the darkly humorous stuff, you know, with the the Japanese guy. Yeah. You know, also part of the cult. And, you know, they come from all corners of the world. Yeah, they're the cliche of the Japanese guy with the camera. Yes, He's taking all these yeah. pictures. Mm-hmm. The nosy old woman, the one you just talked about. Yeah, and how she, she sticks her tongue out. And how she screams when she sees Mia Farrow walking in. <laughs> so they're all talking, and, and obviously they're, she's caught on. And Roma tries mm-hmm. to tell her, you need to be a father. That You need to be the mother to this child. Mm-hmm. And she goes over, what have you done with the baby's eyes? What have you yeah. done to the baby's eyes? Burnett acting by Mia Farrow, you know, the iconic scene, of course. Yeah, she's yeah. pretty good. And then they're rocking the baby, and she says, you're, you're rocking it too fast. So yeah. she begins to rock the baby, you know, properly. And then you can tell she's in trance with the baby. Oh, she, yeah. And now she's devil baby's mom. Yeah, she, she's basically, she's fallen into the cult, and she has basically given in to them. And she's going to... Look after her son, baby Satan. Oh, a nice wee happy ending. It's <laughs> fucking stupid. I know. This movie, I mean, but, I don't... I, 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 I think it's because it's cult crap. Cult crap doesn't do anything for me. Uh, Stripper in the we, Rainbow. That's a good one. Wes Craven. You yeah. know, and oh, I like that as The well. Believers is a really good one. People never seen with Martin Sheen. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a good one. You know, but this is stupid. Um, no, but, but the, 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 the silliness and the sort of darkly um, comedic stuff adds to the creepiness factor for me and that's very hard to pull off listen let me give i'll give you my review and then you can jump in and you can go hang out with naked old people (laughs) so 
what I liked about it was the sets. We talked about that. I thought the sets were elaborate and solid and, you know, a good set design. I liked the fact that they played with that theory, your paranoia is real. Mm-hmm. You know, the, for a lot of the film, you, well, I knew the outcome, so it kind of ruined it a bit, I suppose. But if, for the first time, if you're the first time viewer, you would think, is she, fa- is she just losing it? Because you never really know. These people mm-hmm. are too fun and nice and kind of silly and stupid to be devil people. So it, it kind of plays on the paranoia. Is she nuts? Is she not? Mm-hmm. Um, so the, totally. They, 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 and Mia Farris' performance does sell that quite a bit. There'd be times where she, you kind of with her, you're like, oh, yeah, that, that did happen. And then a guy or somebody will come up with a reason why it did. And they're like, oh, okay, she is nuts. And then something else would happen. So it kind of played on your, on your, on your emotions there who to root for, or what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dr. Hill scene would be a perfect example when totally he, he, he realizes there's something not right with her. Now we're like, wait a minute, your buddy, the doctor is not agreeing with her. Maybe she is nuts. You know, mm-hmm. that's where the movie was really its strength is. And Mia Farrell and all the casting's pretty spot on. Um, you can't really fault it. However, I'm just not into double babies. And cult films like this, and I just doesn't just doesn't. It's not my cup of tea. I can appreciate what it's done for cinema and what it's done mm-hmm. for the genre, um, but it's just not my cup of tea. I thought the, I thought the outcome was a joke. I thought it was too silly. I thought it could have been darker. I would like that she grabbed the devil baby and chucked herself out the window with the baby. <laughs> no, See, seriously, you're calling me a sick bastard. Seriously, <laughs> that would have been a better ending. Say, you know, oh, oh, she loves the baby. And then she grabs the devil baby and chucks it out the window. So the greater good. I'm just saying that's a better ending, kind of like what Gregory Peck was trying to do in The Omen before uh-huh. they all showed up and shot him. But well, it would also tie in with um, the girl down at the start as well. See, exactly, and <laughs> but and the, all the flaw. It's a little too long, um, mm-hmm. by about a half hour, I'd say. But not fair. Okay. But uh, you know, it is what it is. Overrated, but not bad. Okay, um, I think it is a classic, and it deserves to be a classic. I think it is incredibly tense, and I love, as you stated, I agree with a lot of actually what you stated, that sort of ambiguity of, is she nuts, or is there something much more sinister going on here? Um, or, or Are these really nice old people, um, or are they part of a, a, a sort of weird satanic cult that like to get naked? Um, but um, um, what I and I would say as well, the stuff that you don't like, the sort of you know the end and and the whole sort of um, Satan baby stuff, that does really work for me. And um, you know I do find it very creepy and the, the darkly humorous stuff, as I've said. But uh, I would say, in a sort of bit of a criticism, um, on once you know the outcome, this unlike a lot of other films that I love, this doesn't really improve on repeat viewing. Uh, because you know basically what's happened, but the first time you watch it, um, the first time I watched it, it really is edge of your seat stuff, but once you know, it's like the Shawshank Redemption for me, um, brilliant, loved it, um, you know, the first time I watched it, but once you know the outcome, it loses that power, and it's a big um, a part of the film, and the part of the film to lose, so yeah, first time, absolutely brilliant, second time, not quite as good. I can't believe that you and it has devil, baby. just and you people. said what that the sh- our listeners are going to be irate. I think everyone is going to be irate that you said Shawshank Redemption 
loses its power after one viewing. It does that really film is fucking a ma- I mean, a massive. It is an amazing film. And but that ending. But once you know no, the twist, it's, it's like any no, big. It's, it's so like any film with a big twist, that, like Seven or any sort of film that has a big twist. Once you know the twist, about the it twist. obviously loses its power. It doesn't. You can still watch that film. You could. Yes. You could let me finish. Let me finish, please. God, so go ahead. Nick, <laughs> he's 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 rushing me, people. So we can go have ceremonies with naked old people. <laughs> I can't. So, no, listen. Shawshank Redemption is one of those films that you can own it right in front. Of you. Right, it could be right next to me. I got it there. Right, I'm looking at it right now in 4K. Mm-hmm. There it is. But it could be on TV, and you want to watch the TV version because you want to know if you might have cut something out of the 4K version that you want to see. It's one of those films that you're just entranced with because you don't. You might have missed something. And then when you when they're getting to the end, when they're going on the beach. Spoiler alert: if you haven't seen it. <laughs> um, in the beach when they finally meet and he makes a comment I just want to see my friend I still get goosebumps I still and you still think oh god I hope they make it even though you know they're going to make it it's a fucking brilliant film it still works it still works on repeat viewing like Rosemary's Baby but just not as much no, as the my, first time oh you see it my god. that's just that's just like oh my god the way these things this is the worst you know day I mean? for this podcast everyone he calls Shawshank a piece of shit <laughs> wow <laughs> Do you remember the time we argued about the Goonies? I said the Goonies was a piece of shit. Oh like my god! <laughs> you just, you know what, guys? Let's just end this. This, you know. <laughs> All right, guys. Next up, we got in the mouth of madness. Yes, we're hitting John Carpenter, and then we'll end Halloween month with the big one. Halloween ends. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, should be fun. I'll end with the tagline. Oh, I was gonna say something. Oh, I forgot. Forget it. Fuck it. Listen, if you guys like what you hear or don't, which clearly you don't, you can uh, follow us on Sinister Frame underscore podcast and, of course, Facebook. Uh, give us your likes, dislikes, and please go after Trevor for for <laughs> pissing all over Shawshank Redemption. No, I did not. Um, How dare you? I like movie taglines, and I'm going to give Rosemary baby, Rosemary's Baby uh, it has a pretty good tagline. Do you know what it is, Trevor? Um, Don't try to IBD it. Enlighten me. Enlighten me. Go ahead. All right. I probably do know, but I just can't remember. All it is is it's not what you're expecting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's pretty that's a good. That's a good line. words. That's yeah. a good line. Yeah. All right, guys. Super. We are out of here. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself. This fucking podcast went all over the place. I am going to have a bear every time editing it. Oh. All right. Bye, guys. Have a good one. (laughs)